Hello everyone, welcome to the Melting Pot podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Monkhouse. The Melting Pot is as a result of my hunger for optimizing business performance, scaling up organizations, corporate culture, customer addiction, building high-performing teams, along with a few other obsessions along the way. I've spent the last several years working for and with some of the most successful top-performing companies in the world. And this podcast is my attempt to synthesize what I've learned along the way to help you build a high-quality business and live a more fulfilling life. If you enjoy the podcast, you can find more information on today's episode and other topics at dominicmonkhouse.com. Today I'm talking to Jenny Kitchen. Jenny is the MD at YoYo Design, a fast-growing digital agency based in Tunbridge Wells. She's a former drum 30 under 30 and young business person of the year in 2016. And today we're chatting about the intersection of work and life and being a parent and running a business and fast growth and Jenny wants to dispel the myth of having it all. And yet, she also talks passionately about the purpose and principles and her desire to learn and give and grow all at the same time. We talk a little bit about how YoYo has scaled its people and scaled its clients and has now, I suppose as her children are four and two, she takes the foot off the gas slightly at home and slams it on the accelerator at work as she's looking to double the business in the next couple of years. We talk about how all of that could be possible. And also we talk about some of the lessons that she would like us all to have from the work that she's done running, mentoring and forum groups with other successful women and how you balance work life and family and be successful and be happy. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jenny as much as I did today. So my name is Jenny Kitchen and I'm the MD of YoYo. I'm a third business owner with, uh, with two other partners. I have been running the company for around eight years now and my role as MD is, um, well, same as most MDs doing absolutely everything and anything, but I guess my kind of my key focus is on building a really, really strong team. So I care a lot about the culture, care a lot about kind of individuals and how we sort of develop them and train them. And, and then I look at our kind of business vision, our goals and how we get there. Just obsessed with kind of like understanding all the different sort of touch points within the business. So lots of finance, lots of process. And then a bit of sales in between and a bit of client, client kind of experience and client management. Okay. And so of... Of the three people who set the business up, why did you end up with the job of being MD? I think what happened was um, we came at the business from different parts. So we had creative director, technical director. My background was marketing and account management. And I just remember, so I'm a little bit younger than the other two business partners and with a little bit less experience eight years ago. But I came in and I remember sitting down and we had, uh, we had breakfast together one day and I had this entire PowerPoint presentation about how we were going to take over the world and we were just like all these different angles. This is how we're going to sell. This is how we're going to market. This is how we're going to structure the business. And I think they were a bit taken back. <laughs> they were just like, where's all this come from? Um, and I think it was kind of 
there and then that they thought, yeah, you're probably the person to uh, to lead us. You've got the motivation and uh, the ambition. To <laughs> you're in charge. But it also means that they can, they can concentrate on the things that they do brilliant stuff at. Sort of Greg, our creative director, is just a creative whiz. genius. If he was kind of too too caught up in the day-to-day of managing the business, he wouldn't be able to do what he excels at and then Yo-Yo wouldn't be known for brilliant creative. Did you start the business with a purpose in mind or did you did you need a job and you came at your purpose later? The business was sort of in existence already and then myself and my husband were in London and we were doing something slightly different and then we kind of came together and we thought actually there could be something here. But, I mean, I was 25. I didn't have an absolute clear vision, but I knew I didn't want to work in, I was working in large agencies in London. But did, I feel, put profit over purpose. It was very much a, a kind of rat race to the top and everything was sort of driven by, by money, by hierarchy, by things that I didn't really believe in. And so uh, now that it's, now that the fog has lifted, what, how do you define the purpose at Yo-Yo? I remember the very, very early stages having three key drivers, which was to create incredible work, which was to deliver incredible client service and to build somewhere where people love coming to work. And I remember putting those three things down right at the beginning and they haven't changed. That is kind of the, our driver and that's what sort of holds all this stuff, all this stuff together. So it's not necessarily kind of a vision in terms of we want to be the best psychor agency in the world. But it's a smaller vision of actually we want to do some great stuff, some great work with some incredible clients. And we want to enjoy the journey and enjoy the ride and enjoy each other and have great clients. So it's a, it's a happiness, it's a strive for happiness and a strive for contentment. And thankfully, going at it this way, then we've had some, a lot of success. So we're doing something right. Very good. How do you, how do you measure being a great place to work? We've been looking at a lot of this at the moment because you've got lots of different awards or lots of different things that you can sort of, I call them the sort of like the big PR pieces. But actually we're sort of shying away from that a bit more and making it much more just all about the conversation, all about the communication between So we have regular town hall meetings every two weeks where we get everybody to feed in. We use Office Vibe, which is a great platform to, uh, to just get the vibe of the office. Everyone feeds into the purpose. We have kind of this big agency framework all in the office where everyone can see where we're going, our yearly goals, our quarterly goals. Everyone can input into it. And then the way that we measure it, it's just by talking to people. We're only 20 people. I meet with everyone regularly and you can just feel the buzz of the office. I know instinctively when things are low and we need a bit of a sort of lift or, or when things are running high and... Thankfully, for a long time now, the things have been running high and the momentum's there and people are excited and buzzing about them as well. And how do you find and attract new great people? We've built a really good reputation locally. So it means that we get a lot of people sort of attracted. We have, uh, we have a lot of people, maybe they've moved down from London or sort of uh, different stages of their lives and things. So they've got sort of great experience, but they're looking for a more local, um, local agency, mainly about just sort of social and building a reputation. And locally, I mean, we work with some incredible clients. 
kind of global clients, large financial firms, education, uh, entertainment. And so the work that we do really attracts um, some, some high caliber. How do you attract new clients? Do you have to go out and find them or do they find you? A bit of both. Mainly, mate, we're, to be honest, we're shit salespeople. <laughs> We've never been good at the sort of selling front of actually getting out there and, and finding clients and, and I guess driving that agenda forward. We're much more about pushing out our message and talking about the things that are important to us or the work that we've done or the things that we believe. And then people sort of come to us and find us. So either through sort of digital channels or we, we put on lots of different events. What sort of events do you put on? Um, we've done a lot in the charity sector. Right. Profit, so we've got a great sort of name within there. So we do every kind of six months or so, Yo-Yo Presents. So there's about 50-odd people, senior senior marketeers and professionals getting together about kind of different topics. So they've worked particularly well. But then on a personal side, then I run female leadership dinners. And they as well are kind of great for not necessarily attracting new clients, but just for building my own sort of network. Huh. Is female sort of supporting other female entrepreneurs your a thing that you're passionate about? Yeah, it's, it's a massive thing that I'm passionate about. I think I think it's not definitely not at the exclusion of men, <laughs> but it is <laughs> but it is about having a, a I guess a forum for not not even just entrepreneurs, but sort of women in sort of uh, as they're growing in their careers, ambitious women that are Typically, if sort of like in their 30s and 40s, sort of struggling with the career, the ambition, the drive, the motivation that they've got, which I've got, how do you balance that? Good mum, got a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and balancing that out is really tough. And then you've got the coming back from maternity and proving yourself for all kind of times. And yes, we're doing exactly the same job as we did before. It's all of that that women find particularly tough. And I've from actually having... Um, run these forums for about three years now and it's not just mums it's you know lots of lots of different women having run these forums then it's definitely something that's needed and that people see a lot of value in and these are kind of like marketing directors heads of digital ceos mds very very sort of senior people but they need that support yeah and so what what are your thoughts on how to come back from maternity leave I guess it's your personal view of what worked for you or what you've seen work for, for the women you've you've talked to in the forums. Well, I've had two kids and I did one very badly and one very well. <laughs> so my first one, uh, Ollie, I had just been made MD. Um, well, so there's a few, about a year before I had Ollie. Just been made MD and then three months later, I fell pregnant which in my mind, I didn't have the time to prove myself in that role. And so there was lots of sort of demons that I was battling when I was coming back from maternity. So I took four months off, or I think I was working within two months. And I just absolutely fought it. I'm exactly the same person as I am before, and I can do everything, and I can work long hours, and nothing's changed. So I came back with that attitude, and it really broke me. But now I was trying to do the same with three hours, four hours broken sleep pushed myself so hard and made myself really miserable and I just vowed that I'd never do that again so then the second time I did it well (laughs) but I was still working during that time but it was all on my terms so I had board meetings at my house and I didn't step foot in the office for six whole months I had meetings but baby was strapped to me the whole time um 
I just made changes in, in how I conducted my, my business life. And I think that's then now changed kind of how I react to other not just mothers and fathers and just the flexibility that's needed and the understanding that's needed. I can't function on little sleep, but I haven't changed. My ambition is still there. My motivation is still there. And that's the same with most of the, well, all of the people that I manage who've gone off on maternity leave and come back. The motivation is still there. They just need a bit of flexibility. I know from my own perspective as a father, I, I quite often I meet, I meet new dads in the first three weeks and they're looking quite smug about life because at that point they sort of, they think, I don't know what all the fuss is about. The baby is sleeping and then you meet them at month three and they're sort of hollow eyed and, and a bit vacant and a bit dazed and they're not getting any, nobody's getting any sleep. And as you say, the nobody's cutting them any slack. They're just, they're just trying to carry on and everybody else is trying to carry on except they're not performing as well as they were before because they're just bloody knackered. <laughs> exactly. And actually, I think because I, I run a business with my husband, bear in mind he was going through all of this as well. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't getting the same level of sympathy, I guess, which again isn't fair because he was he was dealing with the last as well. And really, I mean, it's only a short period when you're in that hell zone. <laughs> um, and then you come out of it. I mean, I'm a far better employer and um, MD and businesswoman now. Have you put any sort of formal structure? Do you have any, do you have that, that flexibility? What's, the, what's your advice for, what do you think, what's the practical advice? What do people really need? You embrace flexibility, but actually don't put in too many processes because actually what we've got is every single one of our team have got different things in their life that they want to do, whether that is, or they just want to do different things in their, in their lives. They want to do more volunteering or they want to have flexibility in different ways. So actually what we found with all the kind of, with all the team is that actually most people have, have flexibility in their roles. Some people work, work four days a week, some work three days a week, some uh, have different hours in the office um, because they want to go off and do sport or they want to do other things. So it's just having that, not setting a company-wide policy because what that does is say that everybody is the same and the same needs. But if you actually talk to everyone individually and just understand how can we make work work for you? How can we get the best out of you and you get the best out of the business that works around your life? And so some people will be like, I love sports and love training. So they work that side of their life around work. So they leave early or they'll come in late. What I care about is the output. And what I care about as well is obviously, it's obviously for us never to let anyone else down. So if there's a client meeting or client workshop, then we have to be there. But if you've got a project that has to be done by the end of the week, then it doesn't matter when you do it. You could take five hours off during the day and work in the evenings if that's when you're at your most productive. So I guess, yeah, for, for kind of advice, then it's just, it's really shifting that kind of that mindset to be a kind of work-life balance or work-life separation. We're in a world now with social media, with mobile phones, with everything, whereby work and life is just blended. So we have to rethink how we, how we structure that. And what about office versus not office? You have an office. Could you take that work-life blend and could you run your business, everybody remote, do you think? I actually don't agree with, uh, with remote working. 
I agree with flexibility and I want everyone to have that. But in terms of remote working, you lack that human interaction and you lack that communication. Things do, even though technology is fantastic and it does help remote working, but you'll never get the magic of having a group of people in a room together working on a project. So yes, work at home on a Monday or, or, or work at home kind of at different points. So there needs to be at least sort of 60, 70, 80% of your work, I believe, in the office time. When you're in the office, I think the thing that technology doesn't help with is, you know, you might spend an hour working on a thing and then people might go to lunch and just talk about nothing. Uh, you know, build trust, build psychological safety, get on with each other. You know, you tend not to jump on a conference call and just blather at each other about nothing. You know, it, it just doesn't, somehow it doesn't work that way. Exactly. And that's, and, and bearing in mind kind of who, we, we're a digital agency or a creative agency. So we have lots of different skill sets and different people in the team. And there needs to be kind of, so developers, designers, project managers, marketers, and there needs to be that kind of coming together of skills and expertise to actually create anything, any website, any digital product. And when we're all in different places working on different things and we get in our own mindsets a little bit too much. So, yeah, I think working together in an office is really important. The clients that you attract, you said to me uh, earlier that, you know, you really want to make a difference for those clients. How do you measure making a difference? What does that mean to you and the agency? Making a difference whether it's a quiet campaign, a small campaign, or, or a global campaign, it's making a difference for that team, for that client, whether that's engaging more people, additional revenue, or bringing in a digital tool to help internal processes. It's creating something that does make a difference to the clients that we're working for. We just released a campaign for University of Southampton. It was all around alumni engagement. And it is now, we started off the project about 18 months ago, and they really wanted to make a splash. They really wanted to do something unique and different. And this campaign was, I mean, the idea was just brilliant in the first place. Um, but we've been running this for the last 18 months. And now we're getting all the recognition. I mean, it's multiple awards are coming in at all times. The VC, the Chancellor, all these different sort of individuals are praising the team. The results are outstanding. They've completely sort of smashed all records. And it's that kind of making a difference. So the team are... Our yo-yo team are incredibly proud of it. They're buzzing with the fact that they did that. They created, the idea came from our team. And so it's that making a difference. And what's the impact for, for the university? What were they trying to achieve with their, with their campaign? So with the, with the university, then they're, like a lot of universities now, then, it's, then they understand the sort of the, I guess the challenge they face with keeping alumni connected to the university for different reasons, sort of kind of having ambassadors for the university, but to get them involved in volunteering or donating, then there was never any campaign to get behind. It was always sort of a phone call 10 years later to ask for money, or it was um, uncreative and uh, unengaging kind of emails. So they wanted to create a campaign which would make a difference and to kind of get passionate about their university again and to share on social and to sort of get back that connection and that love for the university. The big idea was all around music and nostalgia. 
So it was it was around uh, sharing sharing the music that takes you back to the university. Think of the, think of the track that takes you back to the first year, to the pools, uh, the freshers' week, and things like that. And then we kind of connected up with Spotify and getting uh, sort of playlists and sharing that. And of course, it kind of it just really taps into the whole sort of emotional. It was brilliantly executed, and and as I said, now sort of one of the largest education bodies case is just giving it gold uh, for the circle of excellence. To get gold was just absolutely incredible. Very good. And then that just gives everybody a buzz and they take that positive energy into the next client and the next event. And I've got such a hardworking team. They just they love what they do and things like that, then it makes a massive difference. I mean, we're just running on cloud nine at the moment. Brilliant. You were saying earlier that, uh, and, and we haven't, we've touched on it, but haven't got quite into it. You, you said that uh, particularly for for female business owners, there's a myth around having it and doing it all. And you were talking about the sort of the support that you give to other people. What? Tell me more about that myth of of having it all. Why does it? Why does it persist? Why does it persist? I think. I've got a couple of sort of really good bits of advice that were given to me at different times. <laughs> One in particular, you can have work, you can have family, or you can have a social life. You can have two of the three. You can never get all three. But you have to make decisions about what you do. And for me, I don't want to give up the social life. I don't want to give up my sort of my, not social life, that's the wrong phrase really, but sort of the life outside work and kids. So my kind of goal was to try and kind of do all three. And then <laughs> it's supposed to be really, really difficult to keep all the different plates spinning. But my brother gave me some great advice as well last year. It wasn't necessarily advice. It was more just observation. I was just like, you're 34. You've got plenty of time left. At that time, the kids were one and three. And I was trying to, you know, double the size of the business in the next couple of years. And I was trying to do all this. And, and his point really stuck with me because actually you don't, there are different times to kind of speed up things and there are times to just take it slow and focus on other things in your life. I spent the last sort of year focusing quite a lot on the on the kids and just kind of trying to get things in my life sorted. And now I feel like I've got that part sorted and I can now put my foot on the gas with work. So we've got massive high targets now. We've got kind of the growth is coming. We've got some fantastic kind of things in the pipeline. But I guess it's just, it's understanding you can't, you can't look at all three parts of your life and have your foot on the pedal on all three at all times. You just burn out. And it's that, that I want to dispel that myth because the more people that I talk to in powerful senior positions, the more I realize that they either, they either have nannies and, and, and kind of childcare 24 hours a day so that they can do the work side or, you know, they, they don't have, any social life whatsoever they don't do anything outside of work because they're focusing all their energies on that you just have to make a decision about how you want to live your life and i don't think you can have it all and so now you've got what are you trying to do now you're going to double the business in the next three years two three years two or three years that's ambitious very good (laughs) that will definitely keep you busy and reduce your social life maybe at christmas i'll bring back my social life (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Jenny, if you, knowing what you know now, if you went back in time, is there, a, is there something you know now and you think, I wish I'd known that then? 
when I was young or in my 20s, I thought that everybody knew so much more than they actually do. And that really affected and made, made me quite insecure about it because, you know, I can never reach that level. You know, everybody had so much more knowledge and expertise. So I spent kind of a lot of my early 20s being fairly insecure about my own ability. And then I got to like late 20s being like, actually, people don't know much. <laughs> people know, and know a lot about certain things, potentially. But we're all just learning and growing and developing as people, whether you're 20 years old or 70 years old. And so I think I would, I would have been a lot happier, not necessarily more or less successful, because actually, arguably, insecurity sometimes drives you. If you think that you're trying to, if everybody else knows lots more than you do, then I left university and involved straight away on different courses around finance and marketing and all sorts of business and sort of studies. And so maybe that insecurity drove me. So, yeah, I don't know whether I'd be more or less successful, but I'd been a lot happier <laughs> in my early 20s if I'd, if I'd known that people don't actually know that much. <laughs> okay. And in that learning stuff, what, uh, what books have you, have you read along the way that have had an impact on, on you and the business? It's a very old one and a much discussed one, but um, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, was my Bible for a little while to kind of really get my thinking straight around, around the business. Very good tips in there and kind of good ways to manage teams. And I use it a lot when I coach and mentor people in the team or, or sort of others outside of the business. So that had a big, big impact. Um, and then Ray Dalio, Principles. I like that a lot. It's just written in a really in a really good way because you sort of duck in and out. And it's, it's some of that thinking that I'm trying to be, bring into the business as well is not setting kind of a whole ton of processes. It's setting key principles that we can all sort of live by, subscribe to, and that can kind of guide us in our decisions. Um, so, yeah, that was a really impactful sort of thing. Do you get direct feedback in the same way that they do at Bridgewater around people rating meetings in the meeting and giving each other direct feedback? So this is this has been an interesting one, actually. We, we've been talking about it quite a lot at our female leadership dinners because some companies now have got, I mean, it's all just completely transparent, both from some meetings, but any kind of interaction. Then they've got a whole intranet sort of system where people can just feed back. And I don't know whether I agree necessarily with that, Um but I think feedback is hugely important done in the right way. So I think there is a kind of, there is again an ethos or a principle that we've created in the business around it takes courage to give feedback and it takes courage to receive feedback. But we're scribe to that culture. So at regular points, then just talk to each other, say, actually, that didn't work for me or actually, you kind of pissed me off there. (laughs) (laughs) That honesty is how we all get better. And do you have any other key principles in the business? Keep it simple. That's one that we brought in five years ago. People tend to overcomplicate things so much. And so we're sort of, we're forever just reminding each other (laughs) that you don't need to kind of create something that's ridiculously complicated if you've got Simple answers to complex problems are the best way to go about it. And that's with our clients as well, with the solutions that we provide for our clients. So keep it simple, 
I always focus on fewer things rather than trying to be good or trying to do shit loads of different things. We've also got, oh, yeah, <laughs> I can go on. <laughs> Jenny, thank you very much indeed uh, for chatting with me this morning about, about the business and your aspirations and some top tips for everybody on how to get the most out of bringing back to work those people who've been on paternity or maternity leave. Um, thank you very much indeed. My pleasure. All this information and more can be found at dominicmonkhouse.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find show notes, additional reading and links related to this episode. You can also find my blog and the past editions of the Melting Pot newsletter. The simplest thing to do is to sign up to my subjectively, not crap, once a week newsletter, where I'll update you on what I've been up to, the most interesting articles I've read, and all things relating to scaling up, high-performing teams, net promoter score, company culture, etc. Social, you can find me on Twitter at Dom Monkhouse and LinkedIn at Dominic Monkhouse. LinkedIn is probably the best way to reach me and share your questions and comments. Thanks for listening. <laughs>